Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time background actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. This episode is about getting excited about opportunities, but then getting rejected or canceled by the production at the 11th hour. This includes rushing out for last minute calls and getting COVID tests to meet the needs of a casting company that just couldn't fill all the roles in the expected time frame. It's also about spending a day on a shoot, but never getting used. And how 12 hours on a project can easily translate to just a few minutes in the finished product. I explain how to track your job so that you can easily find yourself when the show or film airs. I talk about seeing yourself in that finished product or possibly ending up on the cutting room floor. And I whine about boarding your pet when you have no idea of your call time or how long you'll be on set. I get really excited about using background opportunities to explore parts of yourself you've kept hidden away for years. And finally, there's a few tidbits about IMDb and recording your work so that the whole world can see what you've been in. I'll get started after the break. It's Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. I finally did games people play today. This was the second time I got booked on this show. The first time I had to cancel for some reason, and it almost happened again. There was a flurry of activity yesterday that almost led me to cancel this job. But remember, that slope is slippery, and canceling can be a bad move for you and ruin your reputation. But that only matters if you have one. So here's what happened. I applied for a role on Stargirl that required testing today and on April 1st and filming next week on April 5th. I wanted to be a lawyer. I don't know why I even did this because I was already booked for today. And then they texted me and said, can you do this? Oh, and you have to shave that goddamn beard off. My words, not theirs. A mustache is okay, but lawyers cannot have beards. So I said no because I didn't want to shave. But in reality, I had a conflict. I mean, who does this? You don't advertise for a role that requires no beard and not include that. Sheesh. But in the meantime, someone else at Casting TaylorMade named Joe texted me about a stand-in role. Sorry, a body double role, which they call photo double, on Stranger Things that they had not even broadcast yet. I know because two hours later, I got their email about it. Finally, 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 I am the perfect height, weight, and size. I mean, they want someone 5'8", who is a 38 chest and a 30 waist, and that is me. And it pays $150 a day, and it's three to four days of shooting, and two tests, and one fitting. So that is $510 at least, or $660 if we film a fourth day. I don't want to jinx myself because I know from prior experience that you shouldn't get your hopes up until it's confirmed. And I've been down this road before with this casting company. Joe said he'd know by the end of the week, but it may take longer. As usual, he asked me to hold these dates open, and that's basically a gentleman's agreement. Nothing in writing. So he would be super pissed off at me if he did offer me the job and I were no longer available. These quandaries drive me bananas. I wonder where that term originated. If they pick me, I will be over the moon and you'll hear all about it. So today was a total bust. We parked next to Motel 6 on Peachtree across from SCAD. That's the Savannah College of 
art and design. They bussed us to the beautiful church next to SCAD, where we ate breakfast and changed, and then off to Sherwood Forest to film. We sat around by the pool of this two-plus-million-dollar contemporary home at 229 Little John Trail for a few hours. There were interesting toys all over the place. A giraffe in the family room, a kid's Susie Bake oven type thing, but much more sophisticated there as well. I chatted with an Israeli guy named Aaron, that's A-A-R-O-N, not E-R-I-N, who had lived in both New York and Miami before moving to Gainesville, Georgia. We had lots in common. He's in some two-year film program and considers himself the black sheep of the family because all of his brothers became engineers. I gave him my real estate business card, and he wowed over it. That's because it's a very stiff and attractive Moo card. Check out their site at moo.com. Shameless plug, I love their cards. Anyway, they brought us down the front steps at one point, but sent us back. It was a false alarm. They explained that they had three things going on there at the same time. At 10.30, they wrapped us without ever using us. Oh well. $129 to sit around for four hours. I've had much harder days. I got to go home and do my real job. This always feels like a snow day. That is, something unexpected happens and you don't really have to go to school or work. You can just take the day off. But that would be way too boring. So I'm back at my desk at 1.30 p.m. catching up on things while the two whippets nap in the master bedroom and downstairs. So in the end, I could have canceled for today and it wouldn't have mattered. I could have tested for the star girl lawyer role and just shaved my beard off. But there's a domino effect here. Taking the star girl role films on April 5th, which is one of the days I promised Joe I would hold open for Stranger Things. Let's all hope that comes through for me. It's Thursday, April 1st, 2021. Happy April Fool's Day. I forgot that in the flurry of activity two days ago, Central Casting also pinged me for a featured background role with a burned arm on The Resident, but I had conflicts and had to decline. I want to get back on that show for the fourth time, but it's way out in Conyers. It had two filming dates, three testing dates, and one testing and fitting date, but the pay is awful by my new standards. $88 for 10 hours and only $22 per test or fit? That's only $264 for six trips to Conyers. The location factor is now weighing in a lot for me and I'm not moving to Conyers or Fayetteville to be closer to the work. There's plenty of filming happening here in the city of Atlanta itself. Someday I will get to have a burned arm or some other damaged body part on the resident and those doctors will be all over me. I won't be some blur in the background you can't even recognize, just you wait. Yesterday was just as insane as Monday. I got this urgent text from Central Casting about their need for background actors for a remake of an 80s TV show. They needed people to run out and get a COVID test immediately in order to film today, April 1st. Actually, before 9 p.m. So, of course, I dropped what I was doing and drove all the way back to Midtown in the pouring rain after having already been there in the morning for something else. Every time I show condos at Viewpoint, the concierge forgets to give me my license back, and I don't realize it until several days later. So I discovered this Tuesday on Games People Play at 7 a.m. when they asked to see my ID. Luckily, I have a picture of it on my phone. Back to the Disney gig. How could I turn this down? Are you ready for this? $100 for the COVID test and $100 for 10 hours of filming. 
I know I've been saying $80 is great for a test, but $100 is even better. It's 20% more. They also needed me to shave, which I've decided is okay after all. And they needed me to be okay with driving a vintage car. Sure, why not? As the day dragged on, I ran into my pet sitting conundrum. See, I have a dog, and I will typically either bring her to a friend's the night before, or he'll bring his dog to my house in the morning and pop in during the day to let them both out since he works a half a mile away. But I don't like to impose on him with this, and if he's too busy to check in on them, then I don't know what happens. Her doggy daycare is open from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. If I don't have my friend watch her, then I need to know my call time in order to either drop her off in the morning or board her overnight if the call time doesn't enable me to get her there by 6.30, which is when they open. So it all comes down to knowing my call time before they close at 7.30 the night before, because that dictates when she goes there. Well, as you know, most call times don't get emailed that early in the evening, so there's nothing I can do but assume there won't be time to drop her off in the morning. So I boarded her last night with the expectation that she'd be there all day today. On the tail end of things, no pun intended, I also have no idea how long I'll be filming. If I can't pick her up by 7.30pm, which again is totally up in the air, then she may have to stay there overnight again. Or if my friend finishes up in time, he picks her up and brings her to his place, and then I either pick her up that night or the next morning. See, it's super logistically complicated. That's why I love knowing my call time before having to decide what to do with her. Poor, poor sugar bear. Well, guess what happened? And this has really never happened to me. Central called me around 7 p.m. to verbally confirm I had a clean driving record, I had car insurance, and that I was okay driving a vintage car. Again, yes to all. She had no idea what the call time was, but assured me it would be coming soon. After hanging up, I wondered why I needed car insurance. Surely their cars are insured, and it wouldn't be my policy paying if I banged up their car, right? I mean, then I'd be stuck paying a deductible. Anyway, they texted me at 8.30 to say, Sorry, but you've been released. What? It was the first Dear John background text I've ever gotten. We are sending you this message to let you know that you have been released for blank on Thursday, April 1st, 2021. Thank you for rushing out to test, but unfortunately, production has cut their numbers for tomorrow. You are no longer needed, so you are free to make other plans or take other work on that day. You will be compensated for your COVID test, so if your mailing address is different than what you initially gave us when you tested, please let us know below. We will reach out with future opportunities on this show. Again, it felt like a snow day. So no Disney driving for me today. And what's worse, my dog was stuck boarding all night because they had closed an hour earlier and there was no way to get her out of there. Not to mention the complete waste of money on this. In the meantime, I did accept another job on Games People Play next week. I hope they actually use us this time. I'm playing a parent to a child I didn't actually father, so I'm just pretending to have a kid. I'm also in the running for something called Naomi next week as well. I knew I would jinx myself. In the midst of all that activity yesterday, Stranger Things Joe texted me to say I hadn't been picked for the super lucrative photo double job, but he was very nice about it and expressed lots of hope. My second Dear John text in the same day peppered with loads of exclamation. You won't be needed for these dates for the photo double role, exclamation point. Thank you so much and please keep applying for roles as they come up. 
There will be more opportunities, and we hope to have you on the show before this season ends! Exclamation point. And then Central had the gall to reach out again today to see if I wanted to do a state fair scene in heels, filming way up in Duluth. I don't mean wearing heels, that's the name of the show. Sorry, but that's too far for me, and it's too many days next week, and the pay is caca. <laughs> and I'm still upset about what happened yesterday. So there, I'll show you. I'm getting my second COVID vaccine on Tuesday. So maybe accepting work on Wednesday wasn't the smartest move after all. I'll let you know how that goes. I made a big mistake in this last segment and need to correct it. Oops, mea culpa, which is Latin and means I'm guilty. I just said that $100 is 20% more than $80, but that is wrong. It's 25% more. That's because 25% of 80 is 20 and 80 plus 20 equals 100. How embarrassing. I have a bachelor's degree in computer science, which is almost the same as math, but that was 36 years ago. So I'm rusty. If you didn't catch this, now you know. And I'm all about owning up to my mistakes in a very public way. The other point I forgot to make is that the logic in Central Casting's Dear John text was so weird. The part about if your address had changed since you submitted, um, only about seven hours elapsed between these two points in time. So the only conceivable scenario is that you suddenly decided to move. Maybe the excitement of driving a vintage car in a remake of an 80s TV show made you delirious to the point that you said, I'm rich, I can afford a better apartment. Or, I'm moving to Hollywood, I'm going to be a star, I just know it. I mean, if you were in the middle of moving, would you really stop and go get a COVID test for $100 just to be on this Disney show? Probably not. And even if you did, wouldn't your USPS mail forwarding eventually get the check to you? And yet someone actually thought this was important enough to mention in the text. Oh, and here's the plan for next week. Testing for Naomi on Monday. Testing for Naomi and games people play on Tuesday, along with my second COVID vaccine shot. And then I'm filming games people play on Wednesday and Naomi on Thursday. I'll report on these next week. Welcome back. Here's a topic I have not covered before, seeing yourself in the finished product. After all, isn't that why most people do background work? The thrill and excitement of seeing themselves on screen and telling their family and friends? Well, not true for everyone. There are two types of background people, those who care about seeing themselves and those who don't. I have some friends who just don't care. They're in it for the money and nothing more. This includes Michelle, my dinner date on Dynasty. I ran into her on Doom Patrol recently and asked if she had seen the episode. No. So I dug it up on my phone and showed her. She faked a smile and giggle, but I could tell she had no interest. So how long does it take between the time you film and seeing the finished product? TV shows have short turnaround times, maybe six to eight weeks, whereas a movie can take a year or more before it's done and you're ready to get out your magnifying glass and play Where's Waldo or whatever your name happens to be. I'm going to discuss four scenarios. One, you worked the job but were never used. Two, you worked the job and got filmed, but the scene got cut. Three, you worked the job, got filmed, and it ended up in the finished product, but you cannot see yourself. And four, you worked the job, got filmed, 
are in the finished product and are clear as day. I guess a fifth category would be stand-in work you did. You will never be on film, but at least you can see the scene that you stood in for. Here are some examples of each of these based on my own background work. Scenario one, Falcon and the Winter Soldier prison scene. Scary. We were literally filming in a jail somewhere up in Gwinnett County in a giant cell block with cells and showers and a second floor balcony wrapping all the way around in a big horseshoe and a basketball court sort of outside, although you couldn't see the sky. It was a little too real for me and I couldn't wait to get out of there. I would never last in prison and now I know because I've been there. Scenario two, Lovecraft Country, a tiny scene with just four of us. I was a British chauffeur opening the door of a 1957 Rolls Royce that used to belong to the Queen of England and is now worth a reported $1.5 million. How could you not see me in this? I had to sit through all 10 episodes of the show to learn that it never made it in. I was both furious and disappointed. How dare they? Scenario three, MacGyver's Science Fair, where the Asian kid has a bright red muscle car. I was a parent to two girls, but never saw myself in the finished product. I replayed the scenes again and again and again, as if somehow I would magically appear on the 10th try. I'm not a magician, and it didn't work. But your brain convinces you that if you give it just one more try, it might. Like the piece of dust on your floor that your vacuum refuses to suck up. You keep rolling over it as if the results will change. Situation 4, Genius Aretha. Not only am I a paparazzi in episode 3, standing in front of the Fox Theater, in episode 1, at the concert in Detroit, I am the only person in the front row clapping with my hands above my head. I had no idea that everyone else wasn't following the instructions. As a result, I am very easy to spot. More on this topic after the break. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Here's what I do to keep track of all of this. On the day of the shoot, I track two things. One, the season and episode, if it's a TV show. And two, I write down every scene I'm filmed in, including what's happening, where I am in the scene, what I'm wearing, and what some of the dialogue is so that when it airs, it's easy for me to find it. There is no way I would remember all of this. Also, if you have an IMDb Pro membership, you cannot add your credit to a TV show without tying it to a specific episode. If you don't know this, you may end up having to watch entire seasons and or episodes looking for yourself. This happened with MacGyver recently when either they gave me the wrong information or I just wrote it down incorrectly. I was looking for myself in two episodes in season four, but it turns out I was in season five. After nearly giving up, I actually fast forwarded through the entire season four and then started watching season five out of the blue and there I was. 
To minimize the chance of missing the show when it airs, if it's not a show I regularly watch, I find it on YouTube TV and add it to my list so that it will record automatically. However, there's no guarantee you'll be able to easily see everything you are in. With all these streaming services, it may not be one that you have and you may not choose to subscribe just to watch one show. Plus, IMDb doesn't make it very easy to determine where something will air. You kind of have to dig for this. For movies, the tracking process may be more difficult because there is no episode and movies are much longer than TV shows. However, you can record this in IMDb Pro immediately. You may be in multiple scenes filmed over the course of several days. Try to record notes on very specific things. For example, in The Suicide Squad, there's a scene where a black soldier named Tim gets punched in the face and falls flat on his back. We filmed this 20 times until he got it exactly right. I am standing just beyond him. I have finally seen the preview of this movie, and one other thing has become clear. They had us pretending that there was some big stone wall crumbling before our eyes, and we had to pretend we were seeing this, but it wasn't real. Seeing the finished product, it all makes sense now. Perhaps this belongs in the fake versus real episode, but I digress. Anyway, movies require patience. I think that Respect with Jennifer Hudson will be the first one I see in August of 2021. I'm an Arista Records executive in the boardroom. When she signs the contract, I'm standing to her right with glasses on in a green suit. One other thing I do, and this takes up way too much time, is that I take photos and videos of the scenes when they air and then post them all over social media. It ruins the viewing experience, so I have a new rule. I watch the show or movie from start to finish just to enjoy it after I spend hours looking for myself. You can't do this in a movie theater, so that's another downside to doing films. Unless you can somehow watch them at home, which may be entirely doable these days due to COVID, you don't have the power to stop the movie and look for yourself. One final note on this, it expands your horizons because you may end up watching things you would otherwise never watch. Because I'm in things, I will watch them. Shows like Doom Patrol, Genius Aretha, MacGyver, and First Wives Club have become staples in my TV diet. It's actually just easier to watch the shows than to take the notes I do and then try to find myself in specific episodes. When the episode airs, your brain will typically find you for you without having to think too hard about it. The first time this happens, you'll likely gleefully jump up and down and shout, There I am! It's Thursday, April 8th, 2021. I filmed the pilot episode for a reboot of an 80s show with Fred Savage yesterday. It was a typical day filled with some complexities, but it resurrected one theme I recently brought up that I want to highlight again. Being a background actor can change the way you see the world and change how you see yourself. Why? Because it allows you to explore things that aren't part of your life and a part of you that you may not have fully materialized just yet. And that exploration can then change your perception of the world and what you might want to do with your life. What am I talking about? For example, I didn't play Little League as a kid, and I've always been terrible at traditional sports. I blame my dad for this, since he did nothing to bring me up as a traditional little boy. As a result, I could barely throw a ball. And now with my right index finger in a splint due to mallet finger, I'm using that as an excuse if anyone asks me to throw one. So on this show, I was picked to be the coach of the white team. 
Originally, the email said I was just a fan, but when I got to wardrobe, they gave me fan clothes. But then the designer intervened and said, no, you are the coach. Meanwhile, an older man showed up and said he was the coach, and they responded with this. We had to make a decision, and we picked him, meaning me. I felt a little bad, but he didn't really care, as I later found out when we chatted in the lunch line. So imagine my fear having absolutely no experience coaching a Little League baseball team. In fact, I hated playing softball in junior high. I was one of those people who stood in the field and prayed that the ball would not come anywhere near me, because one, I probably couldn't catch it, And two, I certainly couldn't throw it to save my life. I'll be the first to admit that I throw like a girl. No offense, ladies. Although as a result, I have... Sorry, as an adult, I have learned how to throw a football correctly. So if you're a young man in the same boat, know this. It's never too late to overcome this perceived deficiency and show the world that you can do it. It turned out to be a false alarm. I was never asked to throw the ball. I just had to stand there with a clipboard and egg them on during the warm-up period. I did get to shake the hand of the coach for the black team. He was a real actor named Alan. Hanging out with eight 10-year-olds in the dugout for 11 hours opened my eyes. Listening to them talk to each other and occasionally chatting with one or two of them was interesting. One kid named Isaac began to perturb another boy by saying sus repeatedly. Sus was his new favorite word and is short for suspicious. He said you could use it whatever way you wanted, but even Urban Dictionary provides guidance on how to use a new word. When I asked him to give me an example, he said, That Cheeto sure looks sus. The other kid eventually got up and moved away to sit as far from this boy as he could. In one of the later scenes, the AD, Van, told this kid to stop throwing and come over to me for some guidance, at which point I told him he actually hadn't done anything wrong and that they just wanted some interaction between us. But he honestly thought he had made some kind of mistake. Again, sometimes reality can be confusing. Welcome back. These kids were too young to have any idea what the show was about or know anything about the original. So the PA Josh explained to them that the director actually starred in the original show, which aired from 1988 to 1993. Is it just me or do others have trouble reconciling when a show ran to their memory? This happens to me all the time. I was 24 in 1988 and living in Jersey City, New Jersey, working on Wall Street and occasionally watched the show but I have a hard time seeing myself in that environment watching it. The same is true of Friends, the premiere episode of which I vividly remember. Anyway, the long and short of it is this. I left filling yesterday thinking I could actually be a Little League coach. Not because I love baseball, but it would be so interesting and impactful to help little boys become better athletes and better versions of themselves. I've talked about the parents before, and yesterday's were just as interesting, although I didn't actually meet any of them. They just sat in a little clique, although some doubled as background. I guess if you're going to bring your kid to do a show, you may as well work yourself and double the income for the day. Isaac's mom was a bit wimpy when it came to getting him to stop saying sus. I kept forgetting whose parent each kid was associated with because they were never paired up in front of us. There was one little guy with the wrong hair for the period. His curly bangs kept sticking out from his baseball cap. When we got back to base camp at the end of the day, I saw him and his mom in the parking lot and he excitedly waved to me and said hi. It was so cute. But I would likely never see any of them again, unless something crazy happens and the show gets picked up, and they somehow need us to come back for another episode. The other point I concluded after yesterday was that I never want to bring my own clothes again. 
They didn't pre-fit us, and wardrobe was a bit of a disaster. An hour after checking in, we were still standing there waiting to get our clothes. But that's much easier than what typically happens when they ask you to bring your own. The emails go something like this. Here are some pictures and a description of what you should wear. Wear your best outfit and bring three to five other full outfits. That is a lot of work to do for me and a lot of stuff to schlep around all day once you get there. I have enough to pack in my knapsack as it is and prefer to travel lightly. Yes, it takes more time at the start and end of the day when you get there, but overall it's much easier to just let them dress you, as in Dressy Bessie and Dapper Dan, or Garanimals. I mentioned the older guy who was originally meant to play the coach. He was very interesting to talk to at lunchtime, but I never got his name. There was an older woman in the line behind us who joined our conversation, but I didn't get her name either. And then at the very end of the day, I chatted up a storm with a woman named Ivy who lives in the area and was going to catsit when we were done. It's one of those situations where you expect and hope to run into these three people on another set someday so you'll have a familiar face to catch up with at that point in time. You are constantly making new friends and running into old ones. It's Friday, April 9th, 2021. I did double duty this week with filming on both Wednesday and Thursday. I have warned against this, do as I say and not as I do. I'm exhausted today and sunburned. The hours were not crazy, but doing this two consecutive days is, Wednesday was 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on the Wonder Years. Thursday was 12 noon to 10.30 p.m. on Naomi. Naomi was fun. They're making a pilot for the CW channel. That's all I really knew about it. We filmed in Decatur Square, just a few blocks from my office and about four miles from home. Background holding was in this Masonic Temple building on the corner of Commerce Drive in Church Street. A very strange, ugly building inside with a maze of bland conference rooms, some of which had glass walls into the hallway. There was also a leftover vault with a big shiny steel door, but its insides had also been turned into more conference rooms. They each had three chairs per room, but we cheated and had four people in ours. Lots of people trying to get through, and several of the restaurants were actually trying to be open. At the end of the night, we were filming a dining scene outside Iberian Pig, which was masquerading as Murray's Diner, and people were trying to leave the restaurant. My work wife for the day was Jackie, a similarly aged woman who also worked in corporate America and also had her real estate license. When the PA went to seat us, I told Jackie I wanted the seat facing out, but he jumped in and said the lady always gets that seat, so I had to face the restaurant. This is the only production I've worked on in the past five months that actually did rapid testing on the day of the shoot and made you wait in your car for the results before being allowed to work, just like Red Notice. But no one else I've worked with is doing this, so it's inconsistent and all over the map. Most require just one to two tests before the day of the shoot. How does that actually help if you could then contract COVID between the testing day and filming day? Regardless, I've now gotten both my vaccine shots and have had zero side effects. But I do keep hearing that people 
from people that the second Moderna shot is a doozy. I looked out with Pfizer. The walk and talk scene took forever. The main character and her best friend simply walked down some stairs and turned left and walked past the shops, but things kept going wrong. Whether it was line flubbing or lighting or cameramen walking backwards and tripping on something, Ava DuVernay showed up and I recognized her voice immediately from DMZ a year ago. She has something to do with this production. As usual, I made three new friends, Jackie, Stephanie, and Nancy. Jackie's from International Hotels Group and is considering opening a mobile pet grooming business. She categorizes background people into four groups. One, those trying to get into the business. Two, those who are there to make extra cash. Three, those who do it as a side gig and have another job and four weirdos. At one point, she told me point blank that I was one of the normal ones, which I guess means I'm not a weirdo in her book. But she did get stuck with one later in the day. Although the PA Toussaint, whom I met on Nagaira recently, continued to pair us up in almost every scene we were in, we were separated for one of them. Poor Jackie got stuck with a woman who spoke about nothing but death for 15 minutes, and I got to hear all about it. When they separate you from your work wife, it can easily cause a riff. During the next scene, as I passed Jackie, I said, I told you I was going on a date today, as I happily chatted with my other woman. During the next take, she mumbled something about divorce as we passed, oh well, you win some, you lose some. While Jackie was suffering with her weirdo, my new date was Michelle, my dinner date from Dynasty last year. We started at the White Bull, and I got to hear all about how expensive it is to vacation in Hawaii and Puerto Rico. She also has two huskies, a male and a female, and they're about to have husky babies, perhaps as many as eight. Several of the establishments were turned into something else. Aside from the fake Murray's Diner, there was a fake pet store set up in a music recording studio. Close to West Ponce, they had made a fake barber shop and a tattoo parlor. Again, I'm curious to see what had actually been there before. Another first for me was seeing an overturned car that I had to stare at and a fire hydrant shooting water 30 feet into the sky. We were too close to it and the wind kept blowing its mist our way. Sheena was the other PA directing us. At one point, she and Toussaint were sending us back and forth through a scene, and if you were looking at the wrong person, you'd miss your cue to start walking again. Stephanie was friend number two. She played a waitress, and this was her first background gig, but her second day on it. She lives in Hiram, Georgia, and does theater work related to props. Her parents have six dogs and live on a farm. I gave her my card and said she might want to listen to this podcast. Stephanie, if you're listening, this is my shout out to you. Hope these episodes are helpful and you're enjoying the work. I may run into you again somewhere. Thanks for the fantastic story you told me by the newsstand and then rattling off those amazing dinner specials. But when you went to clean off that table, they yelled cut and you never came back. So where's our food? No tip for you. Sorry. Nancy, friend number three, lives in West Cobb, near where I used to live, in Kennesaw. And then there was Mike from First Wives Club. He proudly told us he was not getting a COVID vaccine because he didn't need one. His immune system was just fine, thank you very much. I must note that on our show last night, Rachel Maddow talked about getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and that as much as she feared it, you're not doing it for yourself. You're actually doing it to protect others. How are you going to feel if you infect someone and they die from COVID?
At one point in the dark, I was standing with a group talking about the lack of stars in Atlanta and what a martini shot is. A martini shot is the final shot of the night. As for the invisible stars, they were trying to explain that it's so bright in Atlanta that you just cannot see them. But it sounded more like they were saying, it's so bright in Atlanta that there's no need for any stars to shine there. They all laughed at this, and it was my five minutes of fame as a stand-up comic. Of course, we then joked that all the stars in Atlanta are on the ground, and one of us might actually become one. Ha! We were supposed to dress very Pacific Northwest, whatever that means. I wore my selvage jeans, blundstone Chelsea boots, a navy shirt with small white flowers on it, and my dark blue Calvin Klein suit jacket. The pants are too large and kept sliding down. And wardrobe gave me a second shirt, a green and black flannel plaid one for my second look to be worn with everything else I had on. I was able to stash my other four outfits in my trunk and didn't have to carry them around all day. You know how much I hate doing that. There were rumors that we'd be filming until 2 a.m. I think we had dinner at 6 or 7. It was dark by 8. We sat in holding until they pulled us back out. But then at 10, they let us back and said, We're working on wrapping you guys. Working? What does that mean? We learned soon enough. Given that we were all sitting in separate rooms, we had no idea what was going on. Finally, the PA came in to wrap us. And as we headed out, we discovered that the building was empty and that we were the last ones to go which meant more money for us. I'm taking a break for the next week at least. Cameron is in Mexico, so I have two whippets to watch for the next five days, and there's no way I'm doubling the complexity of the boarding logistics I described earlier. Oh, and the MacGyver Italy scene aired last night, literally just four weeks after filming. It was so exciting to watch, but disappointing that not once did I see myself. What you don't realize is that even if you spend 12 hours filming, whatever comes out of that is probably just four to five minutes of the entire show. I call this the incredibly shrinking film effect. There's a whole sophisticated storyline you know nothing about. So this red sports car that ended up at the car show had a long history with the man they were trying to catch and ultimately apprehended. He was easy to spot in the finished product, but I was nowhere to be seen. As I've mentioned before, I watched it in slow-mo several times, then I recorded the entire scene and watched it again on my phone. Guess what? I'm still not in it, no matter how many times I watch it. IMDb is a trip. It's pretty easy to set up a free account. I believe a pro membership costs about $150 a year, and I'm not sure it's worth it. But it does allow you to easily add your credits to productions you've worked on, and pictures of yourself too. And some of your friends will be really impressed that you're on IMDb, as if you were a real actor, as if that somehow elevates you in the world, when in reality, you know that you're still the same person. You've just opened yourself up to the world by exposing yourself in the entertainment industry. It's similar to Wikipedia in that everyone is responsible for contributing and there may be a governing body that reviews the content, but I'm really not sure. IMDb is a little tricky when adding yourself as a BG role. Some of the shows try to categorize this in weird categories like hair and makeup or additional crew, but more often than not lately, people are now just adding themselves as an actor. Then you pick something called attribute and put the term uncredited in parentheses to get your entry accepted. And then bingo, it shows up. 
One thing I have not been able to fix is the periods in my first name. I'm very particular about there being a space after the period after the D, but IMDb has removed this, so it's all jammed together. One big continuous D period J period, which bugs the crap out of me. Oh well. It's also quite interesting when I search on myself, because all these other DJs show up in the list, including that crazy little man with the big ears in Man in the High Castle, who I believe helped smuggle Frank's gun out of the factory when the Kempatai came looking for it and him. Here's a recap of this episode's key messages. One, don't get too excited about a job because your submission can be ignored or you could be canceled by the production at the last minute. There are no guarantees, even if they pick you for the job. And last minute urgent job posts are no exception. If you're lucky, they'll pay you for that COVID test you got after they cut you from the list. But note that if you cancel, I don't think anyone will pay you for the COVID test you took for them. Central Casting used to have an overnight last minute call list for jobs that had not been filled, but this no longer exists because of the need for COVID testing before filming. You can no longer just find a job at 11 p.m. and show up the next morning. Two, finding a quick and easy way to care for your pet and or children can greatly complicate things. You need a support system in place to make this all work. A light bulb went off in my head this week about a new business I could start, on-set doggy daycare for background actors, which would free you up to do all the work you want without the worry of finding a place to keep your pooch. Three, if there's going to be a snowball's chance in hell that you actually see yourself on screen, it behooves you to track the specific details of the episodes and scenes you're in, so when the project does air, you'll have a cheat sheet to help you find yourself in it. But remember that you sometimes actually won't be in it. Well, at least you got paid. No one guaranteed that you'd actually be seen. Four, it takes a lot of time and energy to produce one minute of footage, and you'll learn this the hard way. You'll spend 12 hours on a job with no idea what that translates to until you see it air, and discover that the entire day amounted to only 60 seconds of the finished product. Plus, that it's just one tiny piece of a much bigger and more elaborate plot that you knew nothing about. What you did in the scene now makes more sense. Five, for a mere $150 a year, IMDb Pro will let you add yourself to the projects you've worked on and upload photos of yourself. Your friends will think you're famous, but in reality, you know that anyone can buy their way into IMDb. It's kind of like Wikipedia, as I mentioned. Nonetheless, it's a fun way to see yourself and show the world who you are and what you've worked on. And finally, if you're lucky, you can use background opportunities to explore parts of yourself you've kept hidden away for years, which can help you grow and change as a person and realize that your childhood trauma is fixable after all. By pretending to be someone or something you're not, you're one step closer to becoming it. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG roles of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.